Hello, friends, and welcome to the Optimized Advisor Podcast, where we focus on optimizing the well-being and best practices of insurance and financial professionals today. On this show, our objective is to help you optimize your life, optimize your profession, and learn from other optimized advisors. I'm your host, Scott Heinela. We hope you enjoy the show. Let's talk about that. It's a great segue into one of the foundational offerings that APEG does provide, and that's the planning approach, you know, or your approach, APEG's approach to financial planning, which encompasses five pillars. Mm -hmm. But with that, if you can also expand on the resources that you make your available to your members. Okay. And and that's what we do is... Specific to that. So the planning brochure, as well as the... The, I mean, the parking lot idea is what yeah. comes to mind, right? Right. What we do is we, we typically look down and say, all right, in order to do financial planning and where the, where the industries left the ball on the table and they didn't, they didn't pick it up and run with it was they te- even with the, the designations that we can get, the advanced designations, the education, it will talk about great ideas and great education, but nobody ever s- – Organize it in such a way that's repeatable process. If we want to have we uh, a, a great outcome, we need a repeatable process that we can rely on to make sure we leave no t- no stone unturned. And so that repeatable process is looking down and saying, "All right, following the CFP mantra, we both are professors um, in the CFP curriculum, and we strongly believe in the CFP designation or like designations. There's a lot of great ones out there. CHFC, there's the RICP if you want to focus on income. There's CLTC if you want to be life, you know, to deal with long-term care. There's lots of great designations, and I think they're all valuable. And I think that everybody should pursue as many letters as they can, not just so they have to get extra business cards printed, but because it, <laughs> it, it gives them it gives them that foundational knowledge. But once you get all that knowledge, how do you use it? And that's where you need a process. So the first step is. What do we do? What are the segments of financial planning? The first, and there are a lot of sub-segments, but the first and foremost are going to be the five key, estate planning, taxes, insurance, income, and investments. And by the way, they actually follow that order. All too often, most financial professionals will focus on the side of the equation that they kind of gravitate towards. There's either insurance professionals, there are asset, asset management professionals, and they kind of meet in the middle for income planning, and they, they both think it's part of their jurisdiction. But the reality is real financial planning starts with real people. And, and I think that it, in a minute I'd like to share something called Gamble with, with the audience is when it comes to real financial planning, the first thing is we need to know who is this planning for, what matters. None of us save money or most of us don't save money just to have dollars on a statement. Numbers on statements don't matter. If you look at most of the studies, most <clears throat> clients don't give – a crud about rate of return is their first question when they walk in for their annual review. Mm-hmm. And if you find out where's their satisfaction with their planner, it's how well does my planner get me? How well do they understand what motivates me? Well, what motivates most of us, our families. Mm-hmm. And so we typically believe a great place to start, and most people end there in the industry, is the estate plan. And why do we start with the estate plan first? It's because we look over and say, if we start with the estate plan, we're going to, one, find out what are their wishes, who's going to help them out in a time of distress, time of need, who's going to help them after they're gone, who do they believe has the competence to do that. But we're also going to be able to ask questions about their family and what are the constraints, what are the tax constraints, what are the asset management constraints, and what are the opportunities we have within that family. You know, if we've got a, a family member that just isn't good with money, we don't want to leave them a million dollars because they know it's going to be gone. And, and mm-hmm. all that hard work to save that money is going to be wasted. 
We need to understand who the family members are. We need to understand their tax brackets or their anticipated tax brackets. We need to understand how well they treat money. We need to understand how they'll be influenced by creditors and predators. And oftentimes, sometimes that's the person laying next to you at night. You know, what if you've got a son-in-law or a daughter-in-law that just is a, is a person that likes to spend a lot of money and, you know, your child inherits, even though they want to be cautious, they may be unduly influenced. So we start with the state plan to learn the family members because every decision will be tied to those family members. Once you know that, then it's time to look at the taxes because taxes have the greatest impact on a plan. That's where Ruth's expertise really steps in. It's understanding that tax element. Because think about this. If we make a good investment portfolio, a great portfolio versus an average portfolio is going to be about a 1% difference on average at best. If you make a bad tax move, it could cost you 15% in one year. It would take you 15 years of great portfolio performance to make up for one bad tax move. And so we look at the tax element, and if we build a tax plan that, that looks at three paradigms. One, what are we doing if they're a married couple to mitigate taxes now? What are we doing for the surviving spouse? And what are we going to do for a legacy planning to make sure we're leaving tax-efficient money to our heirs mm-hmm. so we don't waste money? Taxes also reveal how much a family actually consumes. We give them a budget. It's called a statement of lies. And we say, hey, here's your budget. Run with this budget. Tell us in what it is. And, you know, it's always kind of scribbling and, and, and messy ink when you get it back. And the reason is because they did it in the car on the way over <laughs> to right, the next right. meeting. You know, that's how much time and effort they put in their budget. Budget, most, yeah. right. So, but if we look at the tax return and we make some additions and subtractions of cash flow, we can drill down to real consumption. Now, we still get that budget sheet, but now we have a comparative and that budget sheet allows us to make good insurance decisions because insurance is in place to replace a shortfall that our cash flow won't cover, whether it's premature death during the working years, premature death in retirement, which is often overlooked, mm-hmm. but needs to be insured against, and then long-term care or disability, depending on working years or retirement years. We don't know the shortfall until we know the consumption rate. Once we know the consumption from the tax return, we can then look at the risk management plan and say, what are we doing to transfer that risk to an insurance carrier? What risks are we retaining? And what is it going to cost us to transfer that risk? Also, through that process, and you know, this is where producer's choice comes in, we come back, we get an underwriting decision. Because the next step is income planning. How can you do good income planning until you know how much you need and for how long? Mm-hmm. You can look and say, wow, you look like you're in great shape. There could be something lurking we don't know. So by using an insurance company's underwriting decision to say you're ultra-preferred, or in my case, your table minus 16, you're lucky you're going to get covered. You know, stop buying those big bottles of shampoo, Jeff. You really don't need them. You know, you look down at that, and I got a few extra pounds. I haven't seen my shoes in years. But yeah. anyway. You don't need Costco anymore. You need the dollar store. <laughs> I know. I can buy my 7-Eleven quantities, and I'm still going to be just fine. I, I buy travel-size shampoo bottles, yeah. five at a time. So anyway, when it comes down to it, if we have the benefits of risk management planning, we can go back and say, now, how are we going to use the right tools for income yeah. for the correct duration? How are we going to plan for inflation if it's going to be if we have a longevity problem? And then how do we allocate the resources, the least amount of resources it takes to meet the income needs now and down the road with inflation? And what that does is now we've answered so many questions. We know who the decisions are made for, who matters. We know the taxes. We know the risk management plan. What do we transfer? What do we retain for risks? How do we fund our income plan? We've allocated assets efficiently to income. Now we can invest intelligently mm-hmm. because we have a better understanding of time horizon, of the money that we can invest. We can take the risk. And oftentimes we can be a little bit more ambitious and in many cases cover the cost of the risk management plan and do really much better by having a comprehensive plan and tying those together and recognize where our licensure barrier is. I'm not licensed for my tax advice. She is. 
Right. Now, I probably could do a pretty good job if you let me ha- do it. Right. I probably know a lot about estate planning. I could do it, but I'm not licensed. My malpractice insurance doesn't cover it. Right. But the thing is, I would approach a, a colleague like Ruth and say, all right, and I've done this. When we've collaborated, I said, here's what I've got. Here are the questions I think, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, you should ask of Ruth. Because now I've helped to make her job easier because I focused them, and I would be able to brief Ruth. Here's what our clients and circumstances are. Here's their estate plan. Here's the resources. Here's the insurance. Here's what's in and out of their states. Can go. And she's briefed, and I've helped to coach the right questions. Professionals can work together in this environment. And yeah. it, by doing this in a prescribed manner, what we get out of the deal is a repeatable process. And that is a competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. And clients want that, and they get this comfort feel. And being able to walk in, and we use with APEG, we took that planning approach and we put that disc in order on a, on a diagram. So we lay it out in front of the clients and say, all right, this is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to do. And we find the clients will come back meeting after meeting with that same folder that gets more and more tattered. Mm-hmm. And they say, we're here, we're here. And we every, every meeting, we're like, we've accomplished this, this, and this. Let's move on to the next one. Right. And they see a process. It's not mm-hmm. scattered. Clients can smell quickly scattered. And that's what we do is we, we, we unscatter, we clarify it, we clean it up, we follow it prescribed, and we leave no stone unturned. And, you know, to follow up on whether I see, um, see this from a, my CPA side or from my client side, when I first met Jeff and we were just talking about planning and, and what you do for your clients, I vividly remember he drew this out for me on a napkin. Mm-hmm. We were at, 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 we, he drew it out. Yep. And he's like, "This is what I say," and da da da. da. And I was like, "Wow, it makes I'm sense." Like, that crystal clear makes sense. You know, and, and we we talked a little bit too about consumers, right? That they need this information. But we, we when we were forming APEG, we threw around a million different ideas, and we're still evolving. Right. You know, every day, and entrepreneurs all evolve all the time Correct. based on you know new data, but. You know, when we were looking at how do we structure an entity to take that process and leverage it, right, and help more people with it. And you, you could go direct to consumer, but what we decided the best delivery method was to go to advisors, right, because advisors that aren't doing this really can can do so much better for so many more clients, right? right? The consumer consumers are... Um, not going to devote the time. They just aren't. They don't have it. They're, they have a day job. Financial planning is not their thing. But if you have a really well-educated and informed advisor, they can help a whole lot of people. And I think that's that's what our why. That's what we tried to do with APEG is to take that process, break it down, help advisors learn it, and help them learn it in a way that they can explain it to clients, that it makes sense to clients. Yeah. So if I could, to, to kind yeah. of take your question to the next step, it first having a process, but then the next thing is you have to be educated. And many of us in, this, in the financial service industry, I remember I started my first day, I was terrified. I went on my first appointment, like, oh my gosh, I'm on my first appointment. And right. I walked up to that door like a kindergartner in the first day of school, and I was terrified because I'm like, that client's going to know more than I do. Right. <laughs> and I knew they did. Yeah. And, you know, I remember they brought up a question of a will, and I'm like, oh gosh, are they right or wrong? I don't know. I'll go look it up. You right. can, and, you know, you get to a certain point where by the, the third thing they brought up, I'll look that up. You know, you, it's like, anyway, I'm going to leave now because <laughs> <laughs> I really don't have a place yeah. here. You know, you're pretty smart. You got it covered. Right. And um, so what we believe is, first of all, if you're going to be in conference planning, you need a foundational education. Right. And, and even if you've got 10 years of experience, you may have been a great insurance advisor. You may have been a great financial advisor. 
and you knew your segment well, and you probably knew some things about the art segment, odds are, though, you probably cobbled that to education together. So at APEC, we said, all right, we've got to develop a course. And it's a collegiate-type course. And that collegiate-type course is for education. It's a, you do it, you're done. Mm -hmm. Once you're educated, then you stay informed. And because the financial world and the tax world and everything continually changes, what APEC's done is we said, all right, we've educated you. Now we're going to keep you informed with the greatest topics, you know, whether it's talking about how do we understand Bitcoin until three weeks ago where we invited Rick Edelman to talk about Bitcoin. I had no clue what mm -hmm. it really was. I mean, I've seen it. My clients ask about it. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I just know I can't sell it because it's against the law. It's not regulated for us to offer that. And uh, I'm like, but it's important I know about it. Right. And then, you know, other things that come up, you know, today at our event, what's really important is you, you guys covered long-term care and how that is so under planned for. And mm -hmm. I totally agree. I mean, as a practitioner, I see it in the marketplace. As a matter of fact, that conversation has often earned a lot of my clients. Mm -hmm. Is there are other, they want to talk about it. The other advisor didn't know anything about it. Right. They ignored it. Right. <laughs> so staying informed on. I would say it's very much, just sadly, a very reactive mm -hmm. part of an advisor's practice where, and reactive in the sense that they either get the phone call from the client <laughs> saying, hey, I'm moving this amount of money because I'm buying, purchasing X, Y, Z, or B, I'm, I'm now in crisis mode. It's happening to me. <laughs> and where are we going to get the money to pay for this or how are we going to do this? And then it's too late. Then you're unraveled. I think it's because it's such a difficult conversation to have and people don't like having those uncomfortable conversations. So when the client says, yeah, I'll take care of it. Uh, don't worry about it. Right. Okay, the advisor says, okay, and moves on. Correct. Right? It's how do you dig a little deeper? And, you know, through that estate planning process that Jeff talked about, it's learning about your kids, learning mm -hmm. about, you know, you have three kids. Well, in the event of a long-term care, who'd be the one to help you? Who's yeah. going to help out? Who's going to be your power of attorney holder? Who's going to, you know, your daughter? Okay, our daughter has a job. Well, just how does your daughter manage her young kids, her job? and your long-term care. Yeah. So it's sort of just keeping digging a little deeper and asking the right questions. And other things, so going back to the estate planning conversation, there's obviously mm -hmm. a lot of potential landscape shift going on right now with ILETs, grantor, non-grantor, that whole thing. But the mm -hmm. other element too, that I was at a presentation not that long ago, and they displayed all these statistics of information that I had no idea of. So the landscape of how generations are changing in the makeup of family dynamics. You've got same-sex marriages. Mm -hmm. You've got independence, pa independent parents adopting children independently. Yep. And there was actually, it's more a percentage than you would think unless it's front and center, yeah. meaning somebody's e either it's direct experience in your life or you're seeing a presentation where you're like, oh my goodness, that equates to a lot of people. Right. And so a lot of the, How do you approach that? A lot of the, you know, traditional planning assumes, you know, mom, dad, two kids, you know, Junior first works, marriage, right. it's the Junior AB, It's the AB, yeah. you know, revocable family right. trust type of thing. Not, right. well, more so out here, not back east. You've <laughs> yeah, explained that. Um, <laughs> but, but it also assumes, you know, for each of your clients. Yeah, it's leave it to Cleaver. They all might right? have, you know, if, if each of them had parents that are divorced that have, you know, so now you got four sets of in-laws. <laughs> you know, you've got so much, so many family dynamics going on. That, that that's really where the planner can can really shine because to think through all of the different you know scenarios and how that all plays out is really really important. It's it's just hugely important for these families. Well, well, if I can if I can carry this conversation about the changes and the changing world 
to this point. Mm-hmm. One of the major changes that's happening now is assisted reproductive therapy. And so what you're seeing now is there's a lot of legal follow-up to that. So, for example, if somebody had extra embryos, and, and I'm speaking from personal experience, my wife and I were fortunate enough to have twins through um, embry- you know, assisted reproductive therapy, and we, we were fortunate enough to have twins, and it was great. But we had extra embryos when we were done, and we were done. We had done our family plan, so what do you do? And so if you donate those to a family in some states, because I am the biological father and the, whoever gives birth to the children is considered the biological mother, if that couple goes through a divorce, the biological father could be on the hook for child support. So here I am in Michigan trying to help out a young couple that wants to start a family and have that family. They go through a divorce, and next thing you know, I'm getting served. Notice that you're on the hook for child support off your income stream. Wow. And so it's staying informed of the things that are popping up now, like that topic in the estate planning world that June and Ward Cleaver didn't think twice about. You know, they worried that Eddie Haskell was over too often. And this is where we're at today is this new changing world. Technology is taking us to new places, new family structures, new dynamics. All of that is changing. And we've got to stay informed as financial planners because we can't rest on our laurels of what we learned 20 years ago. So I'm just an advisor that wants to be really good at managing portfolios. I would say that if that's what you want to do, you better take an area of specialization. Know your specialization, but partner with people that are experts in the other fields. Right. If you're going to be a good AUM person, you're going to just put the assets under management and design a good stock portfolio, you better have an insurance partner. And if you want to operate and say, I'm a fee-only planner, that's very acceptable. And as a matter of fact, for some clients, it's appealing. But that doesn't mean you can neglect that there is a risk management plan mm. in place. And if you can't do it yourself because your fee-only prohibits it, then you better have a partner that can say, I'm going to step in. I'm going to understand what's done here. I'm going to still develop a solid risk management plan. Right. And if you're not an income specialist, you're not going to use income annuities you better be able to bring in somebody that's doing it. And those make great partnerships. Right. And we already do that today. I do that with my attorney and CPA colleagues. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be a lawyer. Right. So how do I reach out and bring the right professionals? And, and so if you are a good asset manager, more power to you. Be the best asset manager. But take the time to build a, build a network, Yep. a community of your team. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's exactly yeah. where you need to go with that. Interesting. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Please subscribe, like, share, leave a comment or review. Be sure to check us out on social media at Optimized Advisor Podcast. Till next time.